Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, privately owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission has been to formulate a wide variety of litters for all types of cats, so they keep using their litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. Dr. Elsie has also created clean protein, wet and dry foods that are specifically appropriate for a cat's nutrition needs. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give your kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. Often sharing my conversation with feline expert Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, along with other cat authors and experts. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, which brings together short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. The festival premieres every fall in New York City and then travels to theaters across America and Canada, with a portion of every ticket going to local cat welfare organizations with the support of Dr. Elsie's. Dr. Michael Maria Delgado is so smart about everything cat. That's why her company, which is Cat Behavior Consulting, is called Feline Minds. And I came up against a, an issue I had never confronted before. And Dr. Michael, I thought this was a great one for you and me to discuss. Someone had written me all about, uh, she just couldn't understand why her kitten was peeing on her bed and on her pillow and even on her while she slept because she'd been training that cat in a crate with her food and her litter box in the crate. And I thought, holy cow, is there anything worse for a cat than being trapped in a single a solitary isolation? So have you ever heard anyone using a crate to teach a cat anything? I mean, I've heard of people trying it. I have not heard of it being a good strategy for training cats. It's not something I would recommend. And, um, you know, you're not going to... Um, train an animal to do something just by restricting their movement. You're just managing their behavior and ultimately you're not fixing the problem. And probably in, in my understanding of cats and confinement, and one of the most important things they need to be able to do is get away being a prey sure. animal, right? As well as a predator, they need to either go up, under, around, behind, anything that frightens them. So if you elevate a cat's stress level, which trapping them. I mean, the have-a-heart traps that people use in TNR, everyone's seen how terrified those cats are. Of course, it happens very quickly. And they're quickly taken to a vet and they're spayed or neutered and put back out in their cat colony. Or if they were a completely house type of cat, then somebody takes them in. But confining a cat in a cage, we call it a crate, but it's a cage, raises sure. their stress level. Can you talk a little bit about what stress does to a cat's mind and body? Sure. I mean, we know that, um, you know, certainly everyone experiences stress from time to time. Sometimes it's good stress, sometimes it's bad stress. And our body is equipped to handle short-term stressors, right? We might get that initial short adrenaline rush. Right. But when you have chronic stress, we know that affects the immune system and can cause um, behavior problems. So, you know, it's not the kind of thing that you want to um, be doing habitually. And I, I do want to clarify, you know, like some of some of the issues I have with this. One is, why are we treating cats like dogs? And, and even, you. you know, I'll say <laughs> crate training dogs is not a universal practice. That's um, right. It's a very Western United States practice, Correct. but there are countries where it's considered inhumane. And, That's right. you know, again, 
we shouldn't be using it as um, a babysitting tool. Um, we should really be thoughtful in how we um, train animals to be confined in small spaces. And a good example is, of course, we want our cats to be acclimated to um, traveling in a cat carrier. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with making a carrier or a crate a safe place for them right. to choose to retreat to. Um, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to help them see those spaces as safe because, you know, for example, if you had to evacuate your home and your pet needed to stay in an emergency shelter, they might be staying in a much smaller space for an extended period of time. So anything you can do to prepare them for that situation by making a crate or a carrier a pleasant space to hang out in with bedding and, and treats is fine. The main thing is when you're like locking them in it for yes. um, any length of time to, again, try to manage a different behavior issue. That's not an effective strategy for training. It could increase their stress because again, like you mentioned, there's, there's no ability to escape anything that's bothering them. And for um, any animal, they have basic needs to exercise, stretch their muscles. They want to eliminate away from where they eat or rest. And when you're cramming everything in a, in a small box, you're really not giving them those choices or options. Very well said. And, and when we say crate, we are thinking, uh, this woman was thinking of a crate, the kind that you could ship an animal in an airplane in the belly of the plane. Mm -hmm. So we're not mm -hmm. talking a very nice sleepy pod carrier, which would be something you carry by the handle and take into the vet's office or onto an airplane or even into your car. We're talking about a crate. And in fact, it turned out that she had gotten this item from her dog foster friend. And I said, well, there you mm -hmm. have it. That is a dog tool. Yeah. And you make a great point, one that I've talked about on the show before, that crates can be used, if you understand what you're doing, to potty train a very young puppy. But the minute they have control over their bladder and bells, you no longer should be confining them. It is cruel and unusual punishment. I think it's really fair to say that when we understand the welfare of animals and that freedom physical freedom, and even freedom of choice, which is slightly different, are essential mm -hmm. to their well-being. You take a cat and you ask it to eliminate in, I guess, a very, very small litter box inside a dog crate. And let's talk about the unnaturalness of that for a cat. It's just vile. If we were sure. in a prison cell and asked to use the toilet that's always shown on a TV show or a movie as having, I don't know, no seat and no privacy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... Right next to your pillow. Right next <laughs> right? to your it's pillow like <laughs> and your fellow inmate if, you know, you know, if they're two or something to a, to a cage, which is what we're caging humans, right? You can just imagine how awful that is, but it's still easier than for a cat. Let's talk about one of, you know, I'm sure out of litter box issues is one of the main reasons that Feline Minds is so busy and you don't really have time for new customers, so to speak. But the, <laughs> one of the main issues is where did you put the box, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So are we, are, sorry, are we switching gears to talk about um, well, we're the, shifting the gears just Well, we're shifting gears just for, to, for you to explain to people that in an optimal world, the cat's litter box is nowhere near where they sleep or eat. Nowhere. Oh, like I it's see. at yeah. a distance, another room, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, we always recommend, um, yeah, keeping the food and, and water and sleeping areas as far away from the litter box as it's feasible, but at least I'd say 10 feet would be kind of the minimum that I would go. I mean, certainly with kittens, that's different. A lot of people do keep foster kittens in like a large kind of three-story cage, right, where the kittens right. have, like, the ability to climb yeah. and, and play, and you obviously have to manage kittens because it's not safe for them necessarily to be loose in your home, um, but with adult cats, 
you know, again, I think people, people turn to these strategies because they don't know what else to do. The problem is that we're, we're going in an inhumane direction by restricting their movement, by putting them in an unnatural situation where they're forced to eliminate near where they eat and sleep. And um, we're not addressing the actual root cause of the, the behavior. I mean, sure, you can keep your cat in a, in a cage all the time and they'll probably use the litter box because they don't have many other choices. But that doesn't make them like the litter box you're offering them. And it's not going to stop them from peeing on your bed once they get out of the cage if you haven't addressed the underlying problem in the first place. So, um, you know, I, I just I think there's a, a lot of problems with um, thinking that you can train an, an animal to, to do what you want outside of the crate by keeping them in a crate. <laughs> so yes, or me, that just in the sense. case of this person, and certainly the question is, why is that kitten using the bed as a litter box. What What is it right. about the other litter box or boxes, because there were two other cats in this particular house, that's so scary or uncomfortable or unpleasant that the bed seems like the only safe place? I mean, that's, you know, the short strokes. We don't know every single parameter of the situation. But, it, but she sure. did say, so when she peed on the bed again, I put her back in the crate to show her. To show mm, her what? Okay, right. Right? right? So, I mean, that's so now... what... What what do you think a cat is understanding when you lock them in a crate that you are yeah. a person who should be avoided? I mean, if, if you take <laughs> yeah, them and so, if they get anywhere near the crate with you, flee quickly. Yeah, and that comes from I think people um, really not stepping out of their own experience to understand what their pet might be experiencing or feeling. Right. So th so that's um, assuming that yeah, you're, first of all, that your pet did something out of malice or spite, right. right? That your your pet had a negative, like a, a harmful intention in yes. doing this behavior. And, and we know that that's not what's going on here. Um, but also thinking that um, this type of, of punishment or that it'll be um, associated with the behavior. Like, so the kitten pees on the bed and, and 10 minutes later they were shoved in a, a crate and locked in there that they have any understanding that it's related to the elimination behavior. And, and one thing that I'm always pleading with behavior and veterinary um, professionals to do is stop using the term inappropriate elimination. Because Very, sad. Very well said. Mm -hmm. it's, it's never inappropriate to go to the bathroom when you have to go to the bathroom. You might be eliminating in an undesirable location. You might be house soiling. Um, but if you got to go, you got to go. Yes. <laughs> if, you, if your yes. litter box doesn't meet your needs, you have to go somewhere else. And and so to me, when we continue to perpetuate terms like inappropriate elimination, we are um, assigning intention to the pet yes. that they are deliberately doing something to the human by going to the bathroom just because they need to urinate or defecate. And so, so even though it might seem trivial to me, it's very important in how we use the language because, again, that gets translated in what the owner um, thinks is going on and how they respond to the behavior yes. and then they turn to punishment because they think that their pet knows better and that they're going to learn something from sitting in that crate what thinking about their bad behavior kind of like we right. say kids are gonna have to go like sit in their room and think about what you did exactly like, it, it's yeah I mean it's I mean one so. could even say that in in raising human small humans that humiliating them shaming them locking them away humans do understand cause and effect even young humans do but who says that that form of teaching or changing behavior even in a human is what you want to teach is the is right. the way you want to get a message across i mean we used to put 
not we, not you and me, but maybe our grandmother's generation or great grandmothers, children were made to sit in a naughty chair in the corner wearing a dunce cap. Yeah. That's after they'd mm-hmm. been hit with corporal punishment. And that was the standard. So I think that there's a trickle down in human behavior and a misunderstanding, a distortion of learning and trying to help shape someone's behavior to make them, whether they're a cat or a human or a dog, more sociable or more acceptable to others, that doing it in Mm -hmm. a negative way, in a harsh way, in a, well, we'll show you way, Mm -hmm. that 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 is effective or that that's the route to go. And as you say, it's not. It's simply not. No, and the the research shows that, you know, positive reinforcement is a much more effective and humane way to train animals. And certainly meeting their basic needs is critical. And, and any litter box problem, the first question I'm going to be asking is, why is the pet doing this? Is it a medical right. issue? Is it a problem right. with the litter box? Is there stress? Not like shove them in a crate and, and force them to um, sit there and think about their behavior. And then, sure, they're in a restricted space, so they might start using the litter box. But once they have access to the bed, if there's a reason they prefer the bed, they'll go right back to it. So if you don't address the underlying cause, you're not going to solve the problem. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Michael Maria Delgado. And thank you to anybody listening who, if you ever had the thought that you could teach your cat by locking them in a closet or in a crate or somewhere to sit there, fella, and think about what you're doing, you're not (laughs) really being, to put it mildly, a good cat guardian. You don't even understand the first thing about how cats operate. Because survival and their own comfort are sort of high on their list. And doing harm to you is not on their list at all. So if that's how you view them, you probably need to stop and think about how you view other people or how other people have viewed you because you're probably projecting. Thank you so much, Michael. And any of you who have a crate, um, you can certainly give it to your local shelter. Or if you're (laughs) going to have a new puppy in your house and you want to use it for a couple of weeks for overnight or when you have to go out, until they get control of their bladder and bowels, okay, but we are not crate fans on Cat Chat. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and appreciation of cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat, which created their own clean protein cat foods, inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey to better satisfy a cat's appetite with ingredients naturally intended for her body. 90% of the protein in clean protein is animal-based, not plant-based as in many cat foods, which can compromise cat's health. Clean protein is the first dry cat food I can personally recommend as a healthy choice, although I always hope that wet food will be your cat's primary diet. Thanks again for being here.